Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Hi, and welcome to the RPG Show. My name is Brent. I'm your host. This is the show where we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. Today with me, I have two dudes. First, we have Nick Isometric Man Gaynor. How are you doing this afternoon? Fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I have some issues, but we'll talk about those soon. Next, we have the guy, the Bulletmeister, Sir Reginald Farcel, Rage Tusk Third Esquire. How you doing, Glenn? It's been a day. Man, it's been a month. Yeah, it has. It really has. For people, I, we are so sorry about the late show, but we had technical difficulties not once, not twice, but three times, and a separate issue each time, and it is like, man, if I have to talk about Arcanum anymore, I might blow my brains out. I'm just throwing that out there right, right away. We've spent about five hours going over this game, and none of it has saved. Not a well, word. Technically, y'all have spent five hours going over this game. This will be my first time talking yeah, about it. Yeah, because we did it three times without Nick, because he had had a dental procedure, then he had plans, and it, it was just, it's been chaos. Um, so I've already said we're going to be talking about Arcana. Before we get there, I got a little surprise for you guys. Not a surprise for Glenn. It's not really a surprise for Nick, but I'm going to pretend like it's a surprise, because we got a review, guys. Yay! Alright. Is it good, bad, ugly? Well, just mostly about your face and how terrible it is. So ugly, alright. I mean, hey, I didn't say it. Alright. Our review comes from Kelvin's. Gave us five stars. It says, I listen to literally every retro gaming podcast out there. Hell, I even do one myself. This one is as good as any others out there. Other than some minor sound quality issues I have. Zero complaints. Sorry. Keep up the food work. Food work? I think you meant good work. But we'll let that go because it gave us five stars. Yay. I mean, is it like fast food work or is it like casual dining food I work? I think it's like fine dining food work. It's where the creme de la creme, even though you guys sound like shit. Hey, I got a new headset. Does it sound any yeah, better? It sounds a little better. I gave Glenn my old one, so he sounds a smidge better, but it's still like like a $15 thing. But as soon as we can fix that, we'll fix that. Now, yeah, Kelvins, thanks for the review. I'd like to know what the name of your podcast is. Uh, Send me an email, podcast at therpgshow.com, and might get you a shout-out on the show. I might put a link on the site or something. If you'd like that, just send me an email. Uh, Yeah, we'll listen to it. Sure, I will. Maybe I'll review it. Wow. All right. Uh, so. Like, I'm not really good at reviewing things. You don't really listen to a lot of podcasts either. Well, it was that. I mean, that. I meant, like, in general. Because y'all can't say, like, at any point during these podcasts that I've been convincing for much No, you anything. pretty much have your opinion, and that's going to be that. All right. So. Glenn, tell us about the game we're reviewing. We are reviewing Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura, 2001 game made by Troika. It was their first game. Troika was a game developer that was made up of a lot of the uh, old Fallout devs. So you see a lot of influences from that. Uh, it was actually a very popular game for its time. It got a lot of good reviews, um, but for some reason it just fell off the radar. Yeah, well, that's mostly because it wasn't great, but we'll talk about that. Uh well, I thought there was like I read somewhere that they were talking about making a sequel, but it just kind of never had like panned out. Yeah, it was. Um, they were trying to make one, 
the uh, co-founder of Troika, actually, Leonard, Leonard Boyarsky, uh, was trying to do it, but they just couldn't get funding. All right. So in these things, all right. What were you saying? I was just going. I was just going to say it's 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 odd that there's this thing like called crowdfunding now that if they were still together, they could probably do it. But oh well, they probably could. Um, although there was some issues with uh, between Sierra and Valve with the uh, ownership of the rights nowadays. Hmm. Well, that's why they like they can just do the whole like. This is the game, just under a different name thing that everybody does. Like the Mega Man guy, where he made Mega Man, but it's not Mega Man, it's Mighty Number no. 9. There's that. And the Bloodstained guy, can't remember his name, who did the Castlevania shit, how he's got that game. Yeah, that's definitely an example. But, for these things, we normally break it down into three, four categories. We have gameplay, story, visuals, and sound. The first up, is gameplay. Since I think uh, Nick probably has the strongest opinion here, why don't you start off, Nick? Tell us what you thought about the gameplay. Um, what's there to say? Um, I found it disappointing. Disappointing how? Like it sucked. Okay. Uh-oh. There's definitely <laughs> like. Like, it seemed simple enough at first, like, click and hit things and shit, but, like, I had no fucking idea what was going on. Like, I was so frustrated, like, the first 50 times I started the game that, like, I really didn't want to play it anymore. I can say this um, before. I don't want anyone to think I hated this game, all right? And, like, I want to get that out of the way first. Like, as we go on, everybody's just be like, ah, oh, Brent hated the game. We all know Nick hated the game. But I don't want you to think I hated the game. I think the game had some good points and some interesting things about it, but they were completely overshadowed by very glaring uh, flaws in how players interact with the game. Uh, to start off, there are two different modes of gameplay available to you, but only really one works. You have turn-based mode, and real-time mode. And never, ever, 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 ever put it on real-time mode because the way the game generates what's happening on the map, it happens so fast that even if you were like a high-end StarCraft player and you could do like a bajillion actions per minute, you're not going to outrace the the computer. Not going to happen. You have to... It has exactly one use in the game, and that's if you want to break open something and don't want to spend ages clicking. I have probably about 100 hours into this game, I have never once used it for anything other than breaking barrels. And my number two problem with the game is it has, and this is kind of, I don't know where I got this term from, but it's a term I'm going to use in this review a lot. You'll hear it from me a couple times. It is an illusion of choice, right? You open up the game like I was in it to win it. Like we sat down and played. I'm like, oh, I love steampunk shit. This looks awesome. And I'm a character. And I'm like, oh, there's all these choices. But there are very few choices you can make early game that won't get you killed. Like it opens up later, sure, but like if you you put points into like HP early on or you like take a heal as your first spell, like you are seriously, seriously gimping yourself. Yeah, it's uh, this is a type of game where you know, yeah, you can take control animal right in the beginning, but if you don't have some kind of combat ability, you're pretty screwed until you're out of the first town. Now, once you're out of the first town, free, feel free to take whatever you like because you can pick up a combat companion that just wrecks face. Um, but yeah, that is that is one of the problems in the beginning of the game. You have to have some co- kind of combat ability. And like nothing's explained to you. Like you have all these stats, you have all these abilities, all these skills, and not a single bit is explained to you. Not to even mention the interface for it is clunkier than shitballs. Like... I mean, hell. I mean, my first character, like, I have this very distinct tier of character choices, right? Like, the first one, I want to be the the biggest guy with the biggest stick, right? I want to be able to just blast things into oblivion with, like, a hammer or a sword. If I can't do that, then I go to, like, like a a pet management sort of class. Like, like if I can have, like, an animal companion or, like, I can summon or a necromancer or whatever. If I can't do that, then I tend to be, like, a bow guy. 
But like that's way down the line. So the first set down, I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to make this big, burly, ugly ogre, right? I just want to fuck shit up. And like, I couldn't figure out what the fuck's going on. Like, you have all these, uh, as we'll talk about later, there's the games are so open. There's so many dialogue options, right? And you can't give me a small window that explains fucking abilities or like a five second tutorial on how to play the goddamn game. Please. Yeah, they, you literally like start off on a fucking airship crash, and then it's like Virgil comes up, it talks to you for a bit, and then it's like good luck, Chuck. Exactly. Like they don't. Well, also save right then. Save right then. I swear to God, you don't even need that. Well, that that's the thing with these older RPGs. Save after every battle, before every quick travel, before any battle that you know of. Like you need to save a lot. They, they didn't have auto saves back then. One thing I would like to point out, though, this was at a time where manuals were at their height. So reading the manual was very ex- expected. Didn't cover everything, but it covered quite a bit, and you could generally learn the rest just through trial and error. Uh, I guess I went. I did actually. I looked up the manual, and I mostly was looking at the manual to try to understand what the fuck the interface was trying to tell me. And like, it did help going through it a little bit. Like, honestly, from having a gaming background, I understood what the stats and everything would represent and what everything did. But some of like the nuances on the mechanics, they didn't help me at all. Well, like I ultimately ended up playing a necromancer, right? And I'm trying to find my first spell, and I'm I'm just looking for a fireball spell or something. They don't have one. You got to find harm in black necromancy as like that's your one like your damaging spell. And yeah, harm that's kind of obvious, but it's not super obvious. Like to me, black necromancy is going to be like. Uh, Status effects and summoning creatures, not actual damage. There are several attack spells in the game. There's a throw rock, there is a fireball, it's later on in the chain. Um, But in general, magic is more of a support option. It does have plenty, like harm is by far the most damaging spell in the game. Only disintegrate really beats it, and harm still has better use. So you pick that up first level, you'll be using it for the rest of the game. Um, But yes, this game could have could have used some tooltips, could have maybe used a tutorial. But, I mean, it, it's an older game. That's how things were back then. Things have changed. Things have gotten much, much better. I don't know. I just feel like I've played other Western RPGs at the era and, and didn't have as much issue out the gate. Like, I was able to get in and actually play the game and not feel like uh, like an idiot. Like, I'm sitting here staring at this game, and I feel like a goddamn moron, because it's like, it must be obvious to somebody, because it's sure as fuck not obvious to me. Yeah, I can agree with that. Like, I remember getting, like, Baldur's Gate when I was a kid, and I played the shit out of that, but as soon as I started playing this, I'm like, no, what what the hell's going on? Exactly, it's just... See, I just, I never had this trouble. I, I mean, it... You also play mages, and I play melee-oriented characters, and that Nope, I played melee. Did you? I have played melee, gunfighter, uh, persuasion, magic, several types of magic, thief. I've played almost every character type you can do in this game. See, like, were you when you played the melee class? Tell me what you did the first, like your first, like when you're creating the character, like what you put your skills into and points into. Because I did five dodge, I did melee, and then I pumped dexterity for accuracy, which is what I figured it would be. And speed, yes. so I can attack faster. Tell yeah, me why uh, I was crit rolling and crippling myself after like every two swings. All right, first and foremost, what background did you choose? None, because I play vanilla. Okay. Like, I don't believe in like, like min maxing, because I like prefer to be like jack of all trades stuff, so. All right, yeah, it's two in dex, two in melee, one in dodge. That gets you about a 65% chance to hit on the wolves, but. The, the trick with melee and in in any skill in this game is you have to receive training for it. So as soon as you got to Shady Sands, talk to a guard, they'll give you apprentice melee training, which doubles your to-hit chance. Hey, Glenn, where's the boom on your mic at? you keep ruffling it with something? Uh, no, it's sitting right in front of me. Uh, move it a little away from your mouth, because it sounds like you're breathing, or like mouth breathing on it, or nose breathing on it. Hang on, I don't hear anything. <laughs> as he's talking? Is that better? Yeah, just keep going. All right. Um, where was I? Apprentice. Right. 
So every skill in this game has uh, training to it. Uh, apprentice, uh, journeyman, expert, and master. And you have to find certain characters to do it, and each one leads to another. So you want melee, talk to a guard, they'll give you apprentice, they'll show you where journeyman is, and they'll show you where that is, and you have to do a special quest to get master. But each bump up in skill grants amazing benefits for that skill, so they're generally needed. I don't know. That would have been useful information instead of like me trying to kill every monster on the first map. Before but you I see left. what I'm saying? Like, if something as simple as a melee character, right? That should be the simplest to make, the simplest. And yet, you just had to explain a like a three tiered like thing in order to make it work early game when we you we were in the beginning. It shouldn't need it. I'm honestly not sure where the problem was. Right in the beginning, apprentice training against the basic wolves shouldn't have been a problem. It was. I was. I'm honest. I would. I would like to see Nick's character because I don't know. I was killing. Wrong. Like I was. Like I was blinded one time, um, and that pissed me off. I don't want to get into that because holy shit. But like I had to start the game over like 20 times because like after like the fifth enemy and me not fucking saving after every combat situation, like I would somehow like crit miss three times in a row and just kill myself. And it's like game over. And I'm like I fucking. Yeah, I have right no now. idea what you did. I mean. Unless you just got horrendously unlucky. This is this is a dice roll system. This game builds off of uh, the D&D system. Well, so we've it does played D&D together. Rolls. You know how shitty my dice rolls there are. There is that. Yeah, I mean, that would... Yeah. So, I mean... It... So, I will say that that experience tainted my opinion of It could have game. used, like, a like a combat log to show, like, an apparent combat log to tell you what's happening... There could have been some sort of display to tell you when you had status effects on you because it didn't. Um, Lower left, um, it actually displays little icons for everything. Well, that's not fucking obvious to nobody. Like, my message box kept saying, you don't have enough skills to do that. I'm like, do what? I'm not doing anything. Like, they weren't consistent with what left click and right click did. Like, I mean, there were glaring issues in how the player interacts with the game. If I play for 15 to 20 minutes and I instantly don't want to play your game anymore, you've failed. <laughs> like, just in general, you have failed. You know? Like... Well, I guess they're probably more going for the casual market. It's not even casual. Like, I've played enough... Like, i played the fuck out of Baldur's Gate. I've played... I've played, like, Dark Crystal for the PS1. I had, like... 50 hours in that game like i've played enough western rpgs that aren't geared toward casual casual players this shouldn't have been as clunky as it was they there was enough around two of them for them have to have drawn from right because this is a fallout team fallout didn't have these issues did it no it it really didn't that that is one thing that's surprising they made a lot of kind of amateur mistakes that they didn't make on Fallout. Uh, to me, that's a little weird. So, I mean, I don't know if they fired their uh, user interface guy or something <laughs> and then went with some Joe Schmo like, I know how Pogunk purrs. Like, no. So... They just gave it to the janitor to do it here, bud. They gave it to Rick the janitor. He's just like, yeah, take care of it. So... I think we beat gameplay to a bit. Like, you know... We beat that dead horse. So, I mean, there are a lot of options. I appreciate the game for that. There, And a lot of the choices you make just in general matter. And that's also very cool. Like, there's an absurd amount of endings, right? Because you have the general endings and you have endings for each, like, of these these story trees. Like, so when you beat the game, like, like, it tells you what happens to the world because of you. And that's really cool. Uh... Yep. Like all of these sort of choices you make when making your character from your your beauty to your intelligence to your alignment to your um, magic tech affinities, all these affect how NPCs in the world treat you and how they talk to you. The number of dialogue trees just from character stats alone is crazy to think about from an early 2000s game. If you if you play this game. Just make a low end character, at least for the opening conversation. It is the greatest dialogue yeah, in the game. Low end characters are yeah, hilarious. Because like, my first guy was dumb as a bag of bricks. Like he came out the gate with like 
18 strength or something dumb, but he only had like two intelligence. And like Ver, and like yeah. Virgil's like, you are the chosen one. And my options are, uh, um, and me no like you. And it was fucking hilarious. Like it made me laugh. I give it that. That was pretty, that was pretty clever. Yeah, but, like, to go on to that, like, your alignment, if you're good or evil, will change what you say, your tech affinities. Um, This game, the world in this game has a really cool duality between the magic and the tech. Magic works by changing reality, tech works by reinforcing it, the two don't like each other. And the game does a decent job of, of explaining that. Wizard picks up a pistol, it's just as likely to blow up in his hand as fire a bullet. You shoot a bullet, uh, you shoot a fireball at someone who's like a super scientist, it can fizzle out just by being in its presence because it shouldn't work. So, let's move on from gameplay to story. Uh, this is a first for us because we have most of our other games have been very linear stories. This is a very open-ended story, and it, you're not going to get the entire story in one playthrough by no means. You would have to make very specific character and dialogue choices to get a majority of the information. If you just play through the game like normal, you might get 40 to 50% of the picture, if that. So what I'm going to have Glenn do, Glenn, give us a rundown of this, the story of this world. What is the, the underlying plot here? Um, the main one that most characters are going to follow is the ring quest. So you start off on the Zephyr, which is an airship that gets shot down with biplanes being flown by ogres. And you wake up, and a guy named Virgil is the one who finds you, and he proceeds to call you the chosen one of his religion. And a dying gnome gives you a ring and says to take it to the boy. You eventually get yourself to Tarant, and you find out that the boy is actually an old man named Gilbert Bates. Uh, No relation to Bill Gates. And he sends you to the dwarves, who he stole the steam engine from. They send you to the Island of Despair to find an exiled king. You can then go to the elves, then to the Vindegroth ruins, which are super high-tech guys, get plasma guns. And eventually you find out that the person that you thought was the big bad is actually just some kind of hermit sitting around. And the actual big bad is some human dude who got trapped in the void. And he is trying to kill all life on the planet, and you have to stop him and or join him. Why is he trying to kill all life on the planet, Glenn? Because you, in your uh, infinite cult citing psychoness uh, think that his reasoning is justified. I do not agree with his reasoning, but he has a reason for doing it besides just being an omnicidal maniac. Basically, being a necromancer, he died, and when brought back, realized that the afterlife is a 100% perfect place. Uh, And this is reinforced in the game. You find several dead characters that you can call their spirit back and they are literally tortured being in this plane because the afterlife is just so damn good. So his logic is that he's going to kill everyone and put them in this perfect world so they no longer have to Let suffer. Let me get this straight. He wants to force feed us the Kool-Aid so we can board a magic spaceship that's hidden behind the moon? Is that what's happening? Basically. He's like a cult leader who didn't raise charisma. Fair enough. So, I mean... The story itself, I felt, was pretty generic fair, as in, like, you know, end-of-the-world kind of stuff. The stuff I found was, that was great is that there are so many ways to get there, right? Like, you can you can look yeah. up um, guides for this game or walkthroughs, and each one's going to be different because it's going to recommend to take a different path. Like, yep. there are multiple ways to accomplish any goal, and more so than I expected. Because when I think about games of this era and ones that give you choice, they there's not really choice there. There's really three distinct paths that you can stumble into, or there's two, or whatever is sort of like hard-coded for you to do. But in this game, yeah. there's a surprising number of them. Like just the first uh, instance where you have to get around a barrier, where you have to get across the, uh, the bridge there, like you can kill the guy. You can uh, charm the pants off the guy. You can bribe the guy. You can have him arrested. You can destroy the supplies that he wants you to do. 
Like, you can... There's a bunch of things to do. Yeah. My favorite is if you convince him that you're the Thieves Guild, um, then he actually pays you. Yeah. Like, that's crazy for a game of 2001. Like, I, you know... He whip my yeah, you don't want to fight him that early unless you've been like farming the fuck out of wolves. Nope. No, no, no. There's a trick. Uh, right in the beginning, there's a cave where you can find some grenades. If you put at least one point in throwing, hit him with a stun grenade, hit him with dynamite, game over. Or fight over. See? That's pretty cool. I mean, I give the game that. That's pretty cool. Now, my biggest problem is like if you do quests, you don't really know the repercussions of it until it's possibly too late. Like, I helped the constable out in the first town against the thieves, and I will never do yeah, that again. Yeah, but to be fair, like, we said this is based off of, like, D&D. They're trying to emulate D&D, like, third edition, really, is, I believe, what was current at that time. Yeah, third edition had just and come when out. you think about that, when we've played tabletop games together, I mean, how many times have I or another DM presented you with a something going on that you don't know the repercussions of right away. All the time. I yeah. mean, that's sort of the point behind role-playing games is to have like, that's where, other than pure mechanical things and other than railroading, that's sort of where the DM pulls their power. It's like, you know, like, that. you guys failed to notice that guy was evil the whole time. You know, like, there things like that happen i guess i i guess i phrased it incorrectly and it's probably i'm also it's tainted by my shitty either i guess character build or i don't know what the hell happened but like i wasn't expecting to have that big of a roadblock that soon because i accidentally allied with the constable well not accidentally but i was like oh i don't know what the hell's going on like i hadn't even been able to talk to the thieves dudes yet i was exploring the town and then dude's like, can you help me out with the thieves? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do your job for you, whatever. So you go over there, and I talk to him. And like, I'm trying to make nice. And they're like, well, eat a dick. We already know you're working with the constable. And then they just whoop my ass. Like, Not repeatedly. Not persuasion points. I was like, fuck. The thing you got to remember with persuasion in this game is it's not an automatic win. Like it does, it's not like, do you have three perception? Pass on through. You still have to choose the right one. So, uh, for instance, with the thieves guild, you can't just be like, yeah, I'm from the thieves guild. I checked with their council and everything because there is no council, and the guy knows it. You have to like basically convince him that he's on someone else's turf. In which case, he gives you his cut and leaves off. It's great. Um, but like a, a lot of this stuff, different character, like like we've said, different characters will see different things. A thief character can pickpocket him and actually get information on the thieves guild, which he can then use to convince him to leave. So again, it comes back to the game's inability to relay this information to the player, right? Like. I just think a small amount of explanation would have gone a long way. And yeah, I'm just going to stop beating that, that dead horse. Because we've expressed the problems we have with how the game interfaces with the player. You know, it just... That could have made the experience so much better. Like, take all of your distaste for how you had to interact with the game and figure stuff out, Nick. And think purely about the things you could do in that world. And it is quite remarkable the number of things they had you could do. Well, I'm not arguing that. Like, there was definitely, like, felt like there was an un- almost un- unlimited amount of possibilities, granted that you know what your options are. Exactly. Like, if you go in blind, you're just kind of like, okay, there's these things, but I'm not sure what they actually do and how anything would help me. So that's why I kind of just defaulted to melee because I'm like, oh, well, I can just beat shit. I know and I can I do th- that. And I think but- that the amount of information the players needed is just purely how to how to play, right? If we just knew how to interface with the world and how to play efficiently, then the exploration and story stuff would come later and it wouldn't be a problem. But instead... Like you said, you're fumbling around trying to figure out how to kill things, and this guy wants you to kill things, and then 
you're forced right into a, a rather challenging encounter, and you already you're still not comfortable with how to interface the game, so you die, and it's frustrating. But if you knew how to efficiently play your character, you knew you could overcome that challenge easily, then it would have been fine. You would have felt happy with yourself and kept moving. Well, I mean, I eventually eventually killed them because, like, I manipulated like hitting and then running, hitting and running, and eventually got into the town and worked on it that way. But, like, my companions were dead. Like, I died many, many times. I was just like, well, whatever. I, like, I still couldn't beat the encounter on moderate difficulty, so I turned it on easy, and that just made everything better. Like, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I I turned the game on easy. Well, I mean, it happens. So, all right. So we've talked about story. How about the visuals of the game? How do you feel about the visuals of the game, Nick? Um, I really liked the tile sets. Yeah, I like that's my favorite part of the visuals of this game. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. Like, I like the settings, like everything. I I like being able to walk into a a funky old like fantasy town, and there's just this large clockwork tower there, and like. A lot of the cities are cool looking. The buildings are cool. I felt they reused a lot of resources, which was kind of disappointing. Um, when you see like your third or fourth recolor of a particular monster, you know, yeah, like that's kind of meh. Um, yeah, character sprites got reused all over the place, which is a little frustrating. Um, even environmental, like the caves, were pretty much all the same. And I mean, I like isometric games ish like it, there it's a love-hate relationship like it, it sometimes it's hard to tell what's going on and when your dwarves look like your uh halflings your orcs look like your humans like everything looks so plain in the game world it can be a problem or too similar now the character portraits look cool i think a lot of the uh like the ui elements look cool like your buttons your meters all that stuff looked fine but it was a bit repetitive, and, you know, I'm a sucker for uh, steampunk stuff, so I really enjoyed, like, the overall flavor. Fallout had a similar issue um, with the reuse of sprites. Uh, now, one thing that's that I liked, I think you guys have mentioned it, the like, the major cities, they all have a unique feel. They all look really good. Toronto is my particular favorite. Um because it's it's a, it's it's one of those cities that you look at it and you know for an instance that you'll find the magic shop with potions and whatnot right next to the gunsmith selling the machine gun. Yeah. I mean Yeah. Toronto was pretty cool. I like the elf town too. I thought that was pretty sweet looking. Yeah. Now, uh how about the the audio of the game, the sound and music? How'd you feel about that, Nick? Um, there was music playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, occasionally I would notice music playing, and when I realized that there was actually like kind of music going on, I'm like, okay, this is enjoyable. But I can't remember anything. Like, I can't remember notes or any melodies, anything on any of the music in this game. And the sound effects were kind of just like now. Oh. Uh, this this is my second. This is I guess mini rant number two for the game. Is it, the game uses uh, this string quartet mu- music, and it's all very well played like it's all very nice music right you can tell somebody put a lot of time and thought into each of these pieces and like i so like let's you load the game up and it's playing and character creation and it, it fits right anytime you're in like a human or uh like a steampunkish setting it fits right any yeah it's a very victorian europe uh, Victorian Britain and feel to it. And it's awesome in those settings, but they had such a missed opportunity because since it was all so similar, it tended to drown out. And the, the whole premise of the game is this magic versus technology, right? So when you have these uh, technology-based cities, give me the you know Victorian uh, string music, right? But then when I go into the wilderness or I go into like the Elvish town or any places where magic reigns supreme, change it give me uh something a, a little more uh woodwindy and then like i sh- woodwinds chimes harpsichords and or not harpsichords harps 
any of those and would I have been wonderful. But no, they went I shouldn't with the same go ones. into a dwarven settlement and hear a string quartet. I should hear drums, no. bass, you know, bass. like uh, tuba, you know, stuff like heavy. Synth. Exactly. Power. So. Except not really synth. Well, I didn't hear what you said. I just heard synth. So, whatever. I shouted uh, out synth like an asshole. Yeah, well. You are what you are, Nick, and we love you for it. So, that's basically how I feel about it. It's like, ah, man, the string music's good and all. But one, it gets old. And two, they should have really put some variety in. I feel like they spent way too much money on, like, a specific, like, quartet who was really well-known. And they, like, went and paid for, like, a composer to make music just for them. You know, that's what that's the feel I get on it. It's yeah. like they, they really forked the money out for these guys, so they wanted to use it everywhere. And yeah. instead of diversifying their music. I have no idea, man. And we're back from some weird technical difficulties. So, uh, we just covered music. We just basically said, you know, we like what's there, not enough variety, kind of bland. And the sound effects in general were kind of mediocre. They weren't nearly as atrocious as Wild Arms, but at the same, they weren't that much better. Um, uh, I have to say, though, some of the in-game stuff gets really good. Uh, there's a there's a gun. There's a weapon called the Tesla gun, which shoots lightning, and it's completely awesome. Okay. Pew pew. See, that'll be part of the problem because I didn't experience most of what the thing had to offer. Well, it's one of those things where you have to be a very specific character to get a hold of it. And yeah, the game is not intended for one playthrough to even remotely access a quarter of the game's content. Yeah. It's really meant for you to play it and play it and play it and play it and play it. They really wanted you to play this game a bunch. It's like they wanted, you know, a single-player game that had, like, a, a MMO kind of time sync to it. Which... See, that might be why I didn't like it as much, because I'm all about linear I games. agree with you. Like, I do like some openness, but I do appreciate, like, a good storytelling experience. And this is more of an adventure, find it out, exploration kind of thing, you know? Which, as it turns out, is yeah, what I this like. This is sort of, this is more of Glenn's jam. Like, he likes to prepare and, like, look up stuff and, you know, beat the game mechanically more than skillfully, I'd say. I also yeah. feel like he likes to have, like, ten pre-made character sheets off to the side that he can just switch on the, to on the fly when he's getting bored. Yeah, I, I, let me let me just tell you guys a little something. When we were playing D anD D, I routinely made new oh, characters just we for know. the fun of it. I'd go to like check something on a character and I have to kick you off the character builder all the damn time just so I could check who I'd given loot to. Yeah, I have a problem. We know. It's not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a problem. It's a perk. It's a perk. All right. Fair enough. All right. So we're gonna real quickly sum up. Our overall feelings on the game before we move on to our scores. Uh, for I'll go first. Like I said, I don't want people to assume that I don't want them to play this game. Right? I do want people to try this game because there is a lot to it. One caveat. It does require a little research going into it. Watch some Let's Plays, watch some YouTube videos, read some stuff on creating characters and how to control your character in the game. A little gameplay uh, recap. Because if you can get past that hurdle, because it was my biggest hurdle, like, I, out of the games we've played, this is the one I dreaded turning on my, uh, my device to play the most. Like, whether I was playing computer, PlayStation, or whatever. Like, this, Every time I thought about playing this game kind of made me like, uh, that's going to be, it's going to take me an hour just getting used to like moving the character and getting the camera to move. By the way, they really should have made it where you just centered the goddamn camera on the character, but that's a whole nother discussion entirely. But once you can get past that, there is a really awesome world out there. Like, I mean, there's nothing better than my snarky ass necromancer arguing with, uh, Madam Lily or whatever her name and 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 the whorehouse. Like that was fucking hilarious to me. Yeah. Like there's really unique character interactions to be had, but that also takes away from I felt this game is more story is more what you take out of it. It was more the how I viewed these interactions in my head than was actually happening on screen. 
which made me rather play tabletop games than play this. I would rather sit down around a table and play D&D, play Pathfinder, play, play, play anything than play this game because it's more fun. But they did an excellent job giving you a really cool sandbox to play in with really cool drapings. So uh, I do recommend you play it. Just be prepared. Yeah, as as Brent said on YouTube, there are some excellent character creation videos. Um, they'll give you a few character builds to try out. Some of them that are easier, some of them that are hard. Um, <laughs> for all of Nick's problems, melee is one of the easier ones to go with, followed by magic. Uh, it's not recommended to play a tech or gunslinger character right off the bat, since they require a lot more um, understanding of the mechanics. Um, and for the love of God, do not do a persuasion character for your first character. Holy crap, that sucked. Um, but yeah, like this is this is a game where if you can get past the initial hurdles, like I've spent well over a hundred hours playing this game. I have many, many, many different characters, and it, I enjoy it immensely. All right, how about your overall? Nick? Um, like there have been many games where like I've put it on, or like I started playing in like the first. Like half hour, third, like a half hour, hour. I was like, "Uh, why am I doing this to myself?" And then like something like clicked, or like something happened in the game, and instantly I was just all hyped about it. I, there was nothing else I wanted to do. I just wanted to play, play, play. But this was not one of those games. Like, I feel like if I hadn't been pretty much forced to play this for the podcast, I probably would have just like dropped it after 30 minutes and if i had bought it on steam i would have got a refund now but um i guess like what brent was saying if if you're like i guess kind of a loner and you don't really have friends <laughs> but you want you hey want hey you now. want the you want the like the D type experience like a tabletop type experience this is i guess a, a decent way to get about it's really close that because it's really it close. is it is like there is there are freaking a shit ton of options like you'll pretty much never play the same game twice like even if you intentionally mean to because you won't ever remember all the choices and things you've done um and i guess that's a really cool thing about it i just i could not enjoy it after like struggling with it so much like because putting it on easy made me feel like a piece of shit because i was trivializing the whole thing and not actually like learning or trying to adapt i was just like fucking getting let's just get this over with kind of thing so um maybe if i had had a better i guess starting experience really it's what mars it yes yeah it was if i had a better time like actually getting into the game and like it felt like a comfortable smooth like transition from like trying to figure out what the hell i'm doing to actually like playing the game itself then i probably would have had a blast i'll be honest but the, the whole time i just kept thinking about how much i fucking hated this and how much it sucked and maybe not like the best like mentality to be going into playing a game but i just couldn't shake it even though i started getting like it started getting better because i just stopped caring about the gameplay and anything like that i just was trying to get through the the plot and like i kind of like i liked it but like the whole time, I was just like fucking click, click, click. Just get me through this goddamn area, so I don't have to fucking. All right, done. Let me get out of here. Kind no, of thing, I so. agree with you. It, it, me and Glenn talked about this, and I'm going to ask you about this because uh, I feel like this is a game that if they could go back in, give it some slight graphical updates, and like make it playable. Like if it was a game that was easier to play, but they didn't change the world at all. It's this would be a game that we were still talking about today. Like, this wouldn't be a game yeah. that when you say Arcanum, people go, what? This would be a game where you say Arcanum, they'd know what you're talking about in the way that we know, people know Baldur's Gate or people know Fallout. Yeah. I, I can definitely agree with that. Like, it had, it had, it has a lot of potential, but it's squandered. Yeah, it, it is that, that, that thin, uh, veneer over the game that is how we interface with it that is completely jacked up like there could be a diamond in there but it's literally covered in shit and i'm not going looking for it and it's not like just a little bit of shit it's like a mile of shit you gotta and so how would you feel if they said they were going to remake this game remaster it and redo the controls 
would you play it? Um, it depends if they're also going to update the interface. Well, that's what I mean. Like they're going to update how you interact with the game. Like give it a modern, a modern um, interface. I would be willing to try it again if it was updated, and like I had seen like gameplay, or if like if Glenn bought it and I watched him play it for a little bit and it looked like it was improved, then I'd probably buy it again. I would, I would, I would buy it. I would do it on Harpy. Side note, Zephyr? Yeah, that'd make an excellent tutorial area. I know. Like, just let us move around the goddamn blimp and show us what to do while we're on the blimp. Yeah, because, like, I mean... Alright, so, since I was actually thinking about this since we had time with all of the glitches. Um, like, that would be a great way to also get the setting going, give people background. Like, you pick up a newspaper and you start learning. A magic character is not allowed near the engine... Whereas a tech character can go repair it, like it'd be awesome. I can agree with that. I also feel like you'd be it'd like be a better jumping point for the story because, as it stands, you just you wake up after the crash and yeah, that's it. Well, like, like you, the the backgrounds give you the background on how your character got there, but it'd be it'd be cool instead of having text to actually show it. Yeah. So, I can I can agree with that. So like having like preset. Like having a very limited amount of backgrounds, but you have like an origin story. Yeah, because as of right now, you know the vast majority of the um, backgrounds were just no use. Like they just didn't have enough effect on gameplay, and a few of them were utterly broken. Well, mostly so, just the min max, right? Yeah, so you could have, you know, cut the fat as it were, dropped them down to like you know this guy's a barbarian, this one was a debutante, you know, stuff like that, and given more uh, meat to the background and shown that in the tutorial for the Zephyr. Like, that would have been pretty cool. I agree. Wholeheartedly. Because it, it does feel like they just ripped that out of the D&D, though, because you have backgrounds in D&D, but you're actually making a story for your character in D&D, whereas you're playing somebody that's been built for you. And, so there's really nothing that you can well, like work with, sort of. How well, I, I felt, it. like I said earlier, I feel like most of the story from this game comes from the extra story that you give it in your head, right? So you give your character a yeah. background, and you kind of justify yourself why they're on this effort, right? And then, like, yeah. that carries forward. So, like, that previous experience is what's influencing your guy to be snarky as shit with the lady that runs the whorehouse, you know? And it's it's yeah. that that makes it better but I'd rather just do that well, it's like, playing tabletop. Well, see, here's the thing. Like, uh, to give an example, the character I ran through for the podcast was uh, Jake Wellington, who was a doctor. You know, I take the background, mad doctor, and this is, you know, my... To sum him up, he, you know, gave medicine to the sick, a hand to the poor, and a bullet to the deserving. And, like, that's how I played him, was just this hard-ass doctor. Firefly. Um, and it was great, but yeah, it does require a little bit of in your head. And, you know, that's, that has, it's, there is a place, I still, I do believe there is a place for that in video games, right? Like some, you know, giving extra story to something that's not there, but this game had other things drawing my attention, right? You know, so, uh, but let's move on to our scores, shall we? All right. All right. So for gameplay, Glenn, what'd you give it? I gave it a four. Um, I've had a lot of experience, so I've been able to get through a lot of the problems pretty quickly. So I enjoyed it immensely. I like all of the different options. I like how every single character you make will never have the same storyline and will never have the same gameplay experience. A thief is plays extremely different from a mage. A magic thief plays different than both. All right. I gave it a two. Because uh, while the game is open and there's lots of branching choices, I mean, fuck. I mean, I shouldn't have to use two hands just to move across the map, all right? I shouldn't have one hand to control the camera and another hand to control the character in this manner. Like, I shouldn't slide the map and click the thing and then, oh, no, I magically turned off uh, turn-based, so I'm exploring on the map. Oh, no, three wolves killed me before I could fucking turn turn-based back on. Like, blah, 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 blah. Two. Nick? Um, I gave it a two because uh, kind of echoing what you were saying, like it could have used a lot of improvement and like it felt just really unintuitive 
for me for some reason. Um, like eventually, like I did learn and kind of like just from trial and error what the interface and everything did and like where to find information. But it felt like it took way too long. And somebody that I think would be new to like game games in general or even the genre would struggle way more than I did. And I felt like that should not be a thing. Agreed. Story. Glenn, what'd you give it? I gave it a four. I love the story. I love all of the different options. And the side quests are great. Like they range from finding a painting by going to a mystic and then destroying her rival to like, you know, finding the lost prophet of the Panari. I gave it a three because I felt like it was uh, the main plot was kind of typical and short, but at the same time, it was very expansive and, you know, as far as non-linear storytelling goes, it was pretty, pretty average. Nick? Sorry, I had a phone uh, call. Where you at on story? Um, I gave it a three. Um, like, if you give it time and you actually get into the game, like, and like y'all are saying, you build your own kind of like world in your head. Even if you don't, you can still rely on what they have in the in the game. Like, it's intriguing, um, but I didn't feel like too strongly about it. Like, it felt kind of just generic um, to me. So. All right, visuals. Glenn, what'd you give it? I gave it a two. Um, As much as I love the visual style of, like, Tarrant's and the Elf City, whose name I'm getting, and the uh, Iron Dwarf clans, they could have at least given the main characters and a few others some specialist sprites. Agreed. Agreed. So, I gave visuals a three. Because I really enjoyed the aesthetic of the game, uh, how everything looked, and how just in general, like the the sort of counterbalance between you're in the wilderness and you show up and you're in this like very steampunky town, then you're in like fire cave with fire uh, spiders, and then you're in like a magic elfy town, and like there was a lot of variation there in what they were trying to accomplish, and I appreciated it. But I, what I didn't appreciate was the repetition in models and so forth and so forth. So, I mean, for everything it had going for it, it had something against it. Yeah. And Nick gave it a two. He's away for it. So just keep moving. All right. He gave it a two. Sound. Glenn, what'd you give it? I gave it a three. Um, I like the sound effects of some of the endgame weapons and the endgame spells. Some of them are bland, yes, but they get much, much better. And I do like the music, but again, I think it was a missed opportunity. They really could have done more with it to really play up the whole magic versus tech uh, theme that they had going. Because that that is one of my favorite things about this game. Not, I can't think of any other story that runs a similar concept where, you know, I mean, you have characters who they the other side just does not work on them and it's great but the sound didn't reflect that does a final fantasy 10 run a similar concept uh no it does not i thought there's something in magic and tech in that game no um they're just two different paths to the same point but they don't they don't like cancel each other out i I thought you were just talking about generically magic versus technology no no no. i mean that that's played all over the place i'm saying like a literal mage cannot use magic in a factory so like the two bend reality well, in different of ways a literal mage can't use magic in a factory because it's in a book it's literary jackass hee-haw hee-haw all right uh so for sound i gave it a two it was uh while the string quartet music was good and decent uh slightly above average it's just it's such a missed opportunity and it's so just became part of the background you know like it it just wasn't enough you know so nick would you give it for sound um i gave it a two for sound like i really didn't like the sound effects at all very much um and the music was just kind of like i said before when i noticed it was there i liked it otherwise it was kind of just there all right like it felt like 
background noise, sort of. All right, time to uh, rate your overall experience. Glenn, what would you give it for your overall experience? I gave it a four. Um, like I've said many times, I love this game. I've been playing it for a very long time, and I've enjoyed all of my time with it. It has a difficulty bump, or, you know, it's got some issues with the interface and the like, which is why I can't give it a perfect five. But if you can get past this, this is an amazing game. It has a really good story. I really like the gameplay. I like it a lot. Well, you can take your cult leader, uh, drink the Kool-Aid magic spaceship stuff and shove it. Because the problems with the user interface gives it, uh, takes away more than one point in my book. So I gave it a two. Because it's just, it's nearly unplayable. Like the interface and how characters move around and interact. It's just so, so unplayable for me. And the only thing that saved it from a one is the fact that there's so much hidden beneath it. And Nick? I also gave it a two. Um, kind of agree with Brent. Um, like, you, it really, it takes a lot out of you to try to play it, unless this is your niche. Like, if this is your niche, you'll be all over the shit. But it's not mine, and I'm fairly certain it's not going to be the majority of people's. So... I'd give it, that's a two. Okay. So now we've given it our scores. And if there's anybody out there that's listened to this that didn't play along with this and now it's decided they do want to give it a try, even though me and Nick have bashed it to the ground, what are... Well, like I said, you might like it. It's not yeah, It's not for everybody, but it might be a It is definitely a niche title, for sure. Um, Glenn, what are some ticks? Uh, ticks? Ha ha, tips and tricks for this game. Um, there's two major ones. Uh, one is a fun little leveling trick you can do to get levels incredibly fast. Um, there's a town called Blackroot, which you can access two ways, either knowing the coordinates and just going straight there, or once you get to Toronto, just visit the um, train station, pay 75 gold per person, and off you go. When you get there, you will receive a quest called uh, Free Liam, which takes you to Liam's workshop. And in there is a portal. Now, you're supposed to just go up there and close it because it'll endlessly spawn enemies. Well, it endlessly spawns enemies that you can then kill and gain, like, 30 levels in, like, 10 minutes. It's great. Yeah. Now, to clarify, because this is something I struggled on because this quest almost killed me, uh, how does one actually use an item for their inventory? So you open your inventory screen, you click on what you need, and you drag it to your quick bar slot, and then you can use it from your quick bar. Uh, now, what's fun with this one is they give both a magic and a technical solution to this. But those of you who took Dispel Magic, yeah, just cast that and you're done. Well, I had Dispel Magic and I never even think to use it. So, yeah, whatever. So, Cut the I knot. mean, it just, ah, God, I, you know. All right. I'm, I just, I kind of, like, just took it because I would have liked to control companions a bit, like give them orders or something, like, hey, please heal me, or like, do something. But anytime I was like, almost dying, I just kind of ran away and let like somebody else take care of the problem. Like, because I'm, like I'm in retarded. real life. Yep. <laughs> 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 uh, maybe ask later if you ask nicely. Okay. Uh, what else you got? Tell, uh, how about, what about that, uh, those altar quests, man? What was the deal with those? Like, I wish that something I had known about before I started playing. Yes, the altars, also known as the Ancient Gods quest. This is the longest, the most convoluted quest in the entire game. It's not even an official quest. Like, it's just something you can find in Tarant's library. But if you can complete this, you become a god, basically. Like, it's ridiculous. So, there are these altars over the world that you have to go find. And each one requires a specific altar offering and gives you a specific blessing. So, for instance, one of the very first ones, as the second one, in fact, is the uh, lesser god Makal, Bedekin god of the hunt. And he's in the Bedekin village. You have to give him a heartstone, which you can find lying somewhere in uh, Bedekin village. And if you do that, you get plus one dexterity. Now, that doesn't sound like all that much, but they add up. There's a lot of them. Uh, Twelve, I believe. You get plus 100 hit points, plus 100 fatigue, plus 12 melee, plus 12 dodge, plus 12 pickpocket, plus 12 firearms, plus 12 persuasion, plus 4 dexterity, plus 30 damage resistance, plus 30 magic resistance. Combined with all of the other blessings, you're basically a god. 
One thing about this, though, your offering is yourself. This quest will kill you. Uh, normally, it casts a res- resurrection spell on you. You come back. If you're a tech character, it will fail. Make sure you have someone who has non-magic resurrection. I learned this the hard way. I lost an hour of gameplay. It sucked ass. Wow. Thought you liked to suck ass. I no. thought you were like, you were all learned about this. Lick game, only. Man. You should have like known that if they're going to try to revive you with a spell. Yeah. I, and the, the best part was the guy that I was following for this was like, oh yeah, by the way. I was like, son of a bitch. Like, that's the best written guides ever. Oh, by the way, in case you haven't lost an hour of gameplay by now, you probably should have done this first. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Well, um, anything else before we move on to our next game choice? Um, nothing beyond, like I said way back, make sure you get your training for the skills that you use. It's usually not too difficult to get, and they make a big difference. Uh, case in point, journeyman training for bow lets you fire two arrows at once. This is an amazing upgrade. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I hear you. I hear you. That's technically double DPS, right? Uh, yes, it can be. You burn through uh, ammo a lot faster, but you get some of the special bows, like the ones that set things on fire. <laughs> yeah, you basically turn to a machine gun at max dexterity. You're firing like forty arrows around. It's Would great. You say you go through ammunition almost twice as fast. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shut up, Brent. Whatever is going on there. Okay. So, for our next game, uh, for those who don't know or those who are new here, uh, we used to take turns picking games, but now we take turns convincing a person to play a game. And this time, it's Glenn's turn to pick. What game I am What King. game did you bring to the table, Nicholas? Breath, Breath of, of Fire. Fire. Why should we play Breath of Fire? Um... <clears throat> Because it's not a Western RPG. Other than that, let's keep moving. Uh, because, <laughs> um, well, I personally enjoy it a lot because it's one of the first RPGs I ever played. Um, it's kind of got tropey, like plot and stuff. Um, but it, and it does take a little bit of time to pick up into the like overarching plot. It's got one of those things where you start off on your adventure, but you're not really sure what you're doing as the character, and you like help out people. Um, on your way to accruing party members. And then by the time you're powerful enough, then the plot kicks in and you have to go stop the big bad. Got it, got it. Um, it's every class, every character has different abilities, so they're all unique. Um, and there's, I think there's like eight characters, if I remember correctly, but you get the potential to have um, more than that because you can morph some of the characters together to make new characters. Um, and it do isn't they do a, a dance? N- no. And touch no, finger points. This isn't this isn't Dragon Ball Z. Fusion. Uh-huh. Yeah, fusion, yeah. ha. <laughs> um, it is a four-party member battle system, but there is the option if you're like finding random encounters to um, set it to automatic, so that it just melees. Oh, that's nice. So you don't have to mess with anything anymore. It's just you melee, and then you once you finish the battle, go on and do an exploring or whatever. Yeah. So. See, that's that's one thing I don't like about JRPGs is those random battles. Against monsters that mean nothing. Oh God, wait until he gets like well, random battle of Final Fantasy Tactics. He's gonna blow his brains out, dude. But that's fun because the whole gameplay. But we're not talking about Final Fantasy Tactics right now. We're on the same page about that one, but that's not a game we're recommending for this. So we'll move forward. Um, yep. So pretty much, it's got some mini games in it. Like the Breath of Fire mini game is fishing. So you can get like fishing rods and bait, or yeah, um, and then go like find fishing wells and. Fishing them, get items and stuff. There's on the when you're on the overworld, monsters are not monsters, but animals randomly spawn, so you can hunt them down and like get loot from them, like food or antlers and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and you get the best gear from fishing, so or at least for the main character. So it's kind of an incentive to actually do it. Um, and while you're on the overworld, characters actually have different abilities. Like one character can turn into a bird, and that's how you get your flying around. One character, um, you actually get in fairly early, has a bow, so you can actually shoot the animals. Um, that are on the overworld instead of trying to trap them in a corner because when they get trapped in a corner, they they will move back and forth really, really, really fast and then I guess they get exhausted and they just pop and drop an item. <laughs> That's great. The first couple times, it's fucking hilarious. 
But then, like, when you're, you see, like, a rare animal spawn and you really want that thing's loot and then it runs away, you're like, fucking goddammit. All right. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a really enjoyable game. All right. So. Well, I brought to the table a masterpiece. It's the, it's the pinnacle of uh, JRPGs. I'm just kidding. It's actually this, a really obscure title known as Monster Seed. Uh, I don't know that one. literally has like a two-sentence Wikipedia page. Is it about monster sex? Mostly. Yeah, actually, I just looked it up. It's got one Oh, sentence. man, it's got one-sentence Wikipedia page. It's basically... Uh, I, what I remember about this game from my childhood is you have a bunch of monsters... And you also have these seeds that are like elemental based, uh, creature type based and all this stuff. And you use that like some weird combination of alchemy and uh, praising to the RNG Jesus that you get like a cool new monster. But there's tons of monsters, uh, tons of seeds. Like there's you can get a fuck ton of monster. Kind of It's kind of like Monster Rancher style a little bit. I was just thinking that it sounds very now, similar. It, it works kind of in this weird half place between like maybe like a like a grid based battle and like turn based if I, my memory uh serves correctly i also remember it's very short uh and difficult so okay uh it's just a game i played a lot as a kid i remember like playing the first two maps a lot never really getting anywhere and i'd love to go back and beat it as much as I'd like to start Breath of Fire as like the first, uh, like get started on a major franchise for the show, Monster Seed's just so out there, man. Like, how often do we get a chance to do something that is so weird? Yeah, that, that I, I think I want to try that. Monster Seed sounds pretty interesting. I really did like the old uh, Monster Rancher and the uh, Digimon. You know, maybe I ought to add Monster Rancher and Digimon on our list. I don't know. We'll have to see if they meet our criteria, but we have many other good games to play before we get to those. Not that they're not good games. Yeah, let, let, let's, clear, let's clear the list a bit before we start adding more. I've got concerns about Monster Rancher, though, because aren't you supposed to get new monsters by putting in, like, CDs and shit into your PlayStation? Sure. How the hell are you, are you supposed to do that with the way that we're have, going to be? Have, some people here I, are going to be doing I don't know what you're talking about. I have a PlayStation. We all have PlayStations. I don't understand that. Okay, okay, Brent. I understand that. We'll figure it out. All right. Uh, so Monster Seed's our next game. Uh, our next episode, yep. so we can get caught up, we'll be doing another episode next week and an episode the following week. That'll get us caught up. So the next three weeks, there'll be shows to get us caught up. Now, our next show, we'll be doing some more of the Mage Fest, and we hope to see everyone. And I think that'll do it. Anybody have anything they'd like to add? Not two I. Plus two. two plus two equals four. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the RPG Show. If you'd like to participate in the discussion, send us an email at podcast at therpgshow.com. You can also visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com. Want to get shouted out on the show? Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Each one counts, and we love you for it. And for myself, Nick and Glenn, hope to see you next time.